all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> belated, oh. belated at by the time anyone is listening to this, but we're recording this on Thanksgiving. Oh, I'm Rachel. And I'm David. And this is all bad things. <laughs> yes, it is um, approximately 1030 on Thanksgiving night, mm-hmm. U.S. Eastern Standard Daylight Time. All of zone. those, all of those mm-hmm. times. Um, housekeeping shit. I left my little housekeeping note out in the living room. We're just Um, starting this off with a bang. So much. Oh, (sighs) number one thing, Corrections Corner from Ladbroke Grove. Okay. I was so proud of myself, my little American self, for knowing that the river in London was pronounced Tim's, well, Turns out I was incorrect and was uh, informed by Alcinder, who still won't tell me how to pronounce their name because they enjoy my attempts at pronunciation. Um, I was informed that it is not the Tims, but the Thames. Now, it's only a slight, slight little difference, but... But it's a difference nonetheless. Yeah, and I went that whole episode, Tims, 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 Tims. Nope, Thames, 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 Thames. So, that was my correction. Um, if you're not... A new segment on the program, Corrections Corner. Yes. Um, Pro- <laughs> probably something we should have been doing all along. Yes. I'm pretty sure we've done a Corrections Corner before. Yeah, maybe. Um, follow us all bad thi- at All Bad Things Pod, Insta, Twitter, Facebook, at gmail.com and .com. Yes. If you follow us on Twitter, you'll very quickly get to know Emily, our live tweeter. Yes. <laughs> and you'll get to know our cats very well. Yes. Especially on Instagram. I tend to put the most pictures of the cats on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Put a very cute one of Demetrius sleeping yes. on there tonight. He was very sleepy. He was uh, completely passed out. He absolutely was. So, any housekeeping you have? No. Any items? Uh, no, news are noteworthy. Nose, n- notes are newsworthy. N- nose are newsworthy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I do not. <laughs> so we should probably just go ahead. Well, first, should we? Yeah. Um, what are we drinking tonight? I am drinking the Burial Beer Coco Bolo Brown, but with a bit of a twist. This is their seasonal that adds chocolate. So it is the Coco Bolo Coconut Brown with. Coco, Coco Bolo Coconut Brown, yes, with chocolate. <laughs> Not just any chocolate. Oh, yes, French Broad Chocolate, mm-hmm. which is a local chocolatier in Asheville. And right around the corner from Burial. Yes, very you, close to the brewery. You can walk from one to the other. Yes, you can. Now, Eskazu Chocolate will always have my vote for best chocolate in North Carolina, but I might be biased because they are local to mm-hmm. Raleigh. But it is delicious. It's it quite is. good. Oh, yep. There you go. Yep. I can taste the extra chocolate in it. Oh, for sure. Yes. What do you have? That's good. I have the uh, Harpoon 
Dunkin' Coffee Porter. <laughs> it looks like Dunkin' Donuts, too. It is, yeah. It's their little mashup with, uh, mm-hmm. with, well, I guess it's not called Dunkin' Donuts anymore. I guess it's just called Dunkin', Dunkin' right? Yeah. But Dunkin'. <laughs> Dunkin' what? sounds like a hipster Who? name. Yeah. Dunkin'. It's like Mason. Mason, Caden, and Dunkin'. Yeah, it's like there's a uh, donut lobby out there, and they're like, we're tired of our name being dragged through the mud. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's not it's, bad. It's very coffee. Yes. Very coffee. Um, so I think we should probably just go ahead and get right to this week's topic because this is a five and a half pager. Yes. Normally it's four pages. This one's going a whole page and a half longer. Yes, you mentioned that to me earlier today. And yes. Like, hmm. This is an unintentional big one. This is one that I did not realize was as big as it was, even though... It was suggested by several people, and I had heard of it. I Until I dug into it, I didn't really get the scope of this disaster. So you'll have to tell me if you've heard of it. Okay. All right, so this is the story of the Bhopal disaster. It doesn't sound familiar. Okay, well, then this should be good. The, okay. It's sort of unfolding organically, huh? So when did this take place? Well, let me do my intro, sure. of course. Sorry. That's all right. On December 2nd, 1984, 17 days before one me Mm. was born, a gas leak at the Union Carbide India Limited Pesticide Plant in Bhopal, India, led to the eventual deaths of at least an estimated 5,000 to 25,000 people in what is still considered the deadliest industrial accident in history. And that's saying something. Remember, we covered Chernobyl. Mm -hmm. Now, but as you'll also recall, Chernobyl didn't have the highest death toll ever. It didn't. It was like 30 immediate deaths that were acknowledged and obviously just a lot of far-reaching consequences. Yes. So... But things you could most likely pin on Chernobyl. But, yes. But nothing, you know. Well, but it was an environmental exactly. disaster. A huge environmental yeah. disaster. And there's no telling what the long-reaching effects right. were. Right. There could be people born tomorrow that die because of Chernobyl. Because of something. Exposure. Contan- yeah. So mm-hmm. it's one of those things you'll never know. But Jesus Christ. Like, when whenever somebody is giving you a toll for a death count and the first word you hear is estimated. Yeah. That means there's going to be a lot of... Yeah. It's bad. Shit. Yeah. And we'll get into more, like, why it's so wide and of of an estimate range and kind of get into it a little bit more as to what's the most likely death toll. Um, But, yeah, this this is a bad one. This is a really bad one. So... I'm going to do some shout-outs at the top here because, like I said, this got suggested by several people. Um, uh, So several listeners have mentioned this disaster, including uh, loyal listeners James, who's local, and Abby, uh, whose mom loves us too. Hi, Mom. As well as someone who suggested it in their iTunes review. (laughs) They Uh were like, oh, I like this podcast. Have you ever thought of doing the Bhopal disaster? (laughs) Now your, your wishes are committed. <laughs> there you go. Now I'm going to have to do a special shout out to our listener James because guess what James did? That was super nice of him. 
He sent me several pages of research. Very nice. On Bhopal. You have no idea how nice that is. So helpful. (laughs) Um, So this definitely made its way. His research absolutely helped out with my research. And at some points, I quote his research verbatim. So thank you so much, James. That was really kind of you. Super helpful. Really helped. the. This is a big disaster. So that really helped on the research. So... Um, this this beer's for you. Yeah. <laughs> Both of our beers. Yeah. I considered making this one a multi-parter, but I think it's going to just work best as a megasode. I I couldn't find a good sort of stopping point for a first parter, second parter, so. So, let's get into it. This disaster takes place in Bhopal, India. So, geographically speaking... Bhopal is the capital city of the state of Madhya Pradesh, and that's pretty much just smack in the middle of India, geographically. So, its population is around 2 million people, uh, which makes it the 17th largest city in India. (laughs) At 2 million. (laughs) India. I really thought you were going to say in the world. No, in India, and here's why. India is the second most populated country, second most populous country in the world with about, do you know how many people? It's just over a billion, right? 1.3 billion people. It only trails China in population by about 60 million. Now, that sounds like a lot, but when we're talking in billions, it's it's not not a ton. So, yeah. So, India, and India is a much smaller landmass than China, I think, anyway. I should have looked that up, but I feel like I it is. I think it is. <laughs> so China's pretty fucking big. China's large, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So most I, I, most countries are smaller than China. There's only a couple yeah. that aren't. Russia being one, yes. right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Canada. Yeah, Canada's huge, yeah. Mm-hmm. But talk about not intensely yeah. populated. No. Yeah. Just a huge chunk of land. Mm-hmm. They're so like, they're like, here, you can have those territories <laughs> that are literally sitting on like the North Pole. Right. Like nobody's gonna go there anyway. The city of Bhopal is pretty industrial, has a lot of manufacturing business, textiles, electronics, food production, that sort of thing. So this gas leak took place at Union Carbide India Limited, or USIL, or UCIL. Uh, So UCIL was founded in 1934, and at the time of the leak, it was majority owned uh, by, so just under 51% by Union Carbide Corporation, UCC, um, which was an American company that ran the USIL plant with the remainder of ownership held by the Indian government and by government-run financial institutions. So just over the majority owned by UCC, the Mm -hmm. rest owned by the Indian government, basically. Now, UCC later got bought out by Dow Chemical, and is its subsidiary current currently. So that's where it stands today. It, it is still around, and that's going to become a little more um, pertinent later that um, it's a subsidiary of Dow Chemical. So the plant in Bhopal was built in 1969. And in the 60s, India was launching like a green revolution because they were having some pretty severe food shortages because of how fast the population was growing. 
And so it, it touted initiatives like building the UCIL plant as part of its, quote, science helps build a new India, end quote, program. So, like you can see... We, we already know where this is headed. Well. Um, and the USIL plant was... I don't know if it's USIL or UCIL. I, yeah, either one sounds good. UCIL? UCIL? USIL? USIL? UCIL. Eh, I'll I'll probably go back and forth. Anyway, this plant in Bhopal was specifically built to produce the pesticide 7. Have you heard of 7? I sure have. I know the number. No, it's S-E-V-I-N. Oh, I've never heard of that. Really? You've never Mm -hmm. heard of the pesticide? Mm -hmm. Like... I think of it as, like, Roundup 7, that sort of thing. Oh, okay. Well, I know what Roundup is. Yeah, except that's weed killer, I think, not pesticide. Is it? Not I'm sure. not sure. Anyway. Um, we, we have people who do that job for us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's what we pay our HOA for. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, just quick sidebar, Bayer currently owns the trademark for 7, so it got, oh, okay. like, traded or barred or bought out or whatever. Anyway, Bayer now has that, Bay- that brand. Bayer was here for a while. It got bought out. That's who in, in North Carolina? Yeah. It was, it became, a Bayer plant? Yeah, it was Bayer, and then it became Talacris and then oh. Griffles. Oh, okay. So it's hard to It just decide. changed ownership three different times. Okay. All right. But it was originally when Chad first moved here. That's right. who he worked for was Bayer. Chad, not Chadley. Not Chadley. Yeah. Or Chadwick. (laughs) So seven was uh, Union Carbide. I keep just putting the abbreviations here. Yeah, Union Carbide Corporation. So UCC's brand name for a substance called Carbaryl, which is an insecticide that they, that UCC, discovered in 1958. Now, it's still very popular in use today it's the third most used insecticide in the United States. Hmm. Um, it's a colorless crystal solid and is super toxic to insects, interferes with their nervous system, and that leads to death. So that's how it works as a pesticide. But as far as toxicity to humans, um, I found some slightly conflicting information, but in general, it's either like non-toxic to humans or like very low toxicity, especially in small amounts. Sure. Um, Safe enough. Yeah, it's even used in lice shampoo. Oh, okay. Yeah, so the it's the active ingredient in the lice shampoo brand Carlderm. Carlderm. C A R Y L D E R M. However, that is pronounced. And that uh, the reason that it is safer for humans is because mammals are generally able to metabolize it really well when exposed to it and pretty quickly as opposed to insects which cannot and invertebrates um it is it is possible to be poisoned by carbaryl um but that would be more because of like a prolonged exposure or high levels that's of like high um yeah high high levels of exposure prolonged exposure so so there are two main ways to produce carbaryl. Carbaryl. I don't know why it sounds so weird when I say that. Anyway, um, so there's two different ways to produce it using two different chemical reactions. 
that, frankly, I just, like, skimmed over and couldn't understand, so I figured there was no chance of me being able to explain it to anyone else. So, I'm not We'll just all to. keep in mind, these are just, you know, chemicals. 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 Chemistry. I never took chemistry. I literally never took chemistry never in either. school. So, yeah. So, we are not chemists. <laughs> So, suffice it to say... Although we did watch a whole lot of Breaking Bad, the whole thing. <laughs> but did we under- understand any of the actual chemistry? Nothing. Didn't no. think so. So, suffice it to say, the, the summary is that there is a way to produce carbaryl that is pretty safe or relatively safe, and then one that has some hazards associated with it, but is cheaper than the safer way. And we know where this is going, Right. Um, the hazardous hazardous way uses a substance called methyl isocyanate, or MIC, because that's the last time I'm going to say that. That was a nice pronunciation, Thank though. Thank you. Yes. So MIC is incredibly toxic, including to humans, and it does not take much exposure at all for it to fuck with the human body. Mm. It is toxic when breathed in, touched, or digested, or ingested. And symptoms of exposure to MIC include chest pain, coughing, asthma, and skin damage, but we'll get into other stuff, too. Higher exposures can lead to severe lung issues, including pneumonia and eventual death. So, Jeez, I wonder where this is headed. I know. This is one that's got like the, 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 the all the signs pointing exactly to where we're going. I just know we're going to be thrown for a loop. Mm-hmm. Everything was fine. It was a great day. It's going to turn out just like Balloon Fest. (laughs) So. This this just sucks. Uh Uh-huh. It's going to get worse. Mm. Don't worry. It gets worse. Uh, So when the Bhopal plant was creating its carbaryl, I will give you three guesses whether they were using the safe method or the cheap method to produce the pesticide. I'm going to guess they went for the cheapest safe method. (laughs) Of which there was none. Exactly. Yeah. So, yes, they used MIC in Mm. in the production. Uh, So, now, to create this carbaryl, Usul, the the actual plant, produced MIC itself. So, it didn't just produce carbaryl, it produced the subchemicals, I guess, needed to create it. So it they created the MIC itself in a dedicated facility that it added to the grounds of the Bhopal plant in 1979, so like 10 years after it was built. They added this MIC production plant or facility. They stored the MIC in three big tanks that could each hold 68,000 liters which is about 18,000 gallons, or from what I've seen, it translates into 60 tons weight-wise. Holy shit. It's really hard to visualize mm-hmm. and also hard to translate um, gallons of a substance in, that's not like water into tonnage, but I saw 60 tons. So anyway, um, so each of them, each of these three tanks could hold that much of the MIC. Otherwise known as a shit ton. <laughs> Very good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the tanks were numbered E610, E611, and E619. I have no idea why they weren't. It was an E612 or E609, but anyway. <coughs> so, <coughs> excuse me. 
In spite of being able to hold 18,000 gallons of MIC each, regulations stated that they should never be more than halfway filled with MIC. The reason being that the rest of the capacity was taken up by pressurized nitrogen, which helped keep impurities from getting into the MIC and also allowed for the MIC to be pumped out of the tanks. So that was, so they were never more than halfway So at least they had some sort of a process and a plan. Well, they had a plan. (laughs) But let's get into when they stuck to it. So the tanks to store the MIC had been built in 1979, But issues at the Bhopal plant date back a bit farther, and there were several incidents regarding gas toxicity and leaks. So in 1976, complaints were made by two local trade unions about potential concerns with pollutants within the plant. A few years later, after the MIC tanks were um, built, in 1981, a worker named Ashraf Mohammed Khan was accidentally splashed with a chemical called phosgene in the course of doing some maintenance work. Now, this is a separate chemical. This is not MIC, but just to get into it, phosgene was used as a processing chemical at the plant, but it had also been used during World War I as a chemical weapon. It was known for being colorless and having an odor that wasn't as strong or alarming as chlorine, which was used in chemical warfare as well. Um, Its smell is said to be like moldy hay. So like a green or musty smell, I guess. Anyway, this worker, um, uh, Ashraf Muhammad Khan, got some phosgene splashed on him and that made him freak out. Um, I don't blame him. Uh, but in his freaking out, he took off his gas mask, which Uh, was unfortunately the exact wrong thing to do because the whole toxic part of phosgene is inhalation, breathing it in. And he died within three days. uh, So now that was not a leak per se. He was protected and then was not, but that was because he took off the mask himself. So... Yeah, that stuff probably shouldn't have been around, but at the same time, uh, yeah. Well, no, the chemical was used in sure. processing. Like, yeah. Yeah, it was just an incident. And yeah. Anyway, it was they, not they the happen. only. It was not the only point of concern. Like I said, um, trade unions, local trade unions, had filed complaints or lodged complaints or whatever, like five years before that about um, the pollutants. You heard that part, right? Yes. Yes, okay. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Now, in January 1982, there was a phosgene leak. Now, this was a leak, and that affected 24 workers, none of whom had been required to wear masks, so that's how they were exposed, and all of whom were hospitalized because of their exposure to phosgene. Um, now, just one month later, in February of 1982, there was an MIC leak, mm. which affected 18 workers. Now, same year, August 1982. <laughs> oh, yeah. it's still, We're still going. Let's keep them coming. Uh-huh. A worker came into contact with liquid MIC and ended up getting chemical burns over 30% uh, of his body. Uh, yeah. And those are... Like, the worst to get. It's awful. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, oh. My dad gets um, weird. So he used to test um, oil uh, for Coke, actually, as in the Coke brothers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> Not as in I will work for Coke by testing oil. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he had, through through the testing and handling of the gasoline and the oil, the petroleum products, um, he got you know, a a bunch of that shit on his hands. And there's a couple of spots on his fingers that he said his skin's never really been the same since. It's a little mutated or something. I mean, not mutated. That's not the right word. But like... (laughs) Dad's one of the X-Men. He's a mutant. (laughs) Um, That's awesome. But like, you know, it it just got exposed to too many chemicals. So it, it just... Well, flakes weirdly and I mean, my, gets little cracks in it. And my buddy Brandon, like he does, he's like, I don't have any fingerprints left. Mm. He's burned his. I mean, he's a now he's an executive chef, but right. he's burned himself so many freaking times. Right. You know, he's just mm-hmm. like, he's like, yeah, he's like sometimes and stuff. Well, he's like sometimes I have a problem because they scan themselves in like we do at our work with a hand oh. scanner. He's like sometimes <laughs> I have a problem. Yeah. It's like sometimes I have to do it a couple of times yeah. before it reads it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, if you, if you work in certain industries, you're gonna physically pay a price. Yeah, yeah, and and chemicals are their own ball mm, game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Plus, who knows what the exposure, even like with protection, like just the. I don't know the secondhand smoke sort of effects of it. You know, like. You're not wearing that gas mask like to the plant. No, then, of course not. You know, so no. you're breathing that stuff in around, or even people who live nearby. Yeah, it was yeah. yeah, it's just and we'll in get the atmosphere. more into that. Yeah. Jesus. So that was in August of 1982 when that worker got burned. In October of 1982, there was yet another MIC leak, and the supervisor who tried to fix it got severely burned by the chemicals. And another two workers were exposed to the gas. And in the following two years, 1983 and 1984, there were several more leaks, including more MIC and phosgene, as well as chlorine, monomethylamine, and carbon tetrachloride. Yeah, those are. If you can't pronounce something properly, (laughs) that means it's bad for you. Right? Right. Oh my God. Now. And just. And you can tell. Like. See, this is, this, I mean, this is the results of outsourcing. Like, you get shit like this. And I'm not... I, I, right, I mean, yes. No, that's... You can now. tell this plant, you can tell for the most part, either mm-hmm. this plant was just hastily put together, mm-hmm. which it probably was, but also there's, there's a reason... It's not the oversight. There's a reason they're building it in India. Well, interestingly, I didn't get into this much in the research, so my memory might be a little hazy on this, but this plant was meant to be a sister plant to one in West Virginia. So they also had, like, basically the same type of plant in West Virginia, and I didn't dig much into this, but I think I saw something to the effect that they had a couple of concerns even in the West Virginia plant. Oh, I'm sure. West Virginia has its own history of... Poor labor relations. Yeah, um, and, and it's yeah. and it's so funny. Their sister plant would be in India, which has even <laughs> worse labor relations. Well, yeah. Jesus. So now, apparently, from what I could tell, aside from the man who um, 
took off his gas mask and died. The rest of these incidents weren't fatal, from what I could tell. Like, there wasn't a death toll from them. It's still, it's, but, a, it's a fucking problem. Oh, yeah. It was highly concerning, to <laughs> yeah. say the least. Yeah, yeah. Then, in October of 1984, specific issues arose with the MIC storage tanks. So, tank E610 was no longer holding properly the pressurized nitrogen that helped fill the tank. Remember, it was halfway Mm -hmm. with the MIC, the rest with the pressurized nitrogen. And that meant that not only could it not be used, because without that oxygen, they couldn't pump it out properly, um, but they actually had overfilled it. So the MIC... um, Sorry, I... I went off my own script, and now I'm like, shit, where was I? So (laughs) let's pretend that didn't happen. Not only that, (laughs) but the tank was only supposed to be filled. The notorious MIC. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) The tank was only supposed to be filled with at most 30 tons, right? Half, if it was 60 tons, half would be 30, of of MIC. But at this point, it was filled with 42 tons of, of it. So it was overfilled with MIC and not enough nitrogen. So they had too much MIC sitting in this tank, and they couldn't get it out. Mm. It was just sitting there in the tank. So at this point, they stopped production of MIC and shut down some parts of the plant's plant for maintenance. Now, they started back up with the production of seven in late November that year using the MIC that was already in tanks E611 and E619. On December 1st, 1984, they tried to repressurize the nitrogen in E610, but it didn't work, so E610 just sat there with 42 tons of MIC that they couldn't get out. So, are we ready for mm-hmm. the leak? Mm-hmm. Late in the evening of December... A, a, a leak, in other words, it got out. Yeah? yeah. Did I... What did I not No, know? I'm just saying there were, there were 42 tons in there that they couldn't get out, so it just leaked out. On yeah, its- yeah. Well, well, we'll get to why it did, mm-hmm. so... Late in the evening of December 2nd, 1984, water somehow got into the E610 tank. Now, there's controversy about exactly how this happened, but it is thought that it got through a pipe going into the tank while they were trying to unclog it, a pipe system anyway. We'll get a little bit more into that later, but unfortunately, the water was not supposed to be reacting, was not supposed to be getting into the MIC, because when this water came in contact with the chemical, it caused a runaway exothermic reaction. So the runaway part's pretty easy to tell what that means, right? Like it's just a chain reaction. The thermic part means it got very hot. Yes. Yes. So chain reaction. Fuck. Right? Yep. An exothermic reaction is a chemical reaction that releases energy through light or heat. So, in this case, a chemical reaction occurred that released energy through heat, and the increased heat sped up the chemical reaction further, leading to an uncontrolled feedback loop. So, this was all aggravated by the fact that there were contaminants inside the tank, including iron, 
that had gotten in there from corroded pipes. And that the surrounding temperatures were relatively high, too. I mean, we're talking India. Mm-hmm. So it was just warm. Now, this uncontrolled heating increased the pressure inside tank E610. And at 10.30 p.m. that evening, the pressure was normal. But within the next half hour, it had increased five times, which led to the gas leak. Now, two different senior workers at the plant saw this increased pressure reading on gauges, but assumed the instruments had malfunctioned, and... Yeah, because that's what you want your first thought to be when something of that nature starts to go awry. Oh, it just must be malfunctioning. It happened at Chernobyl, too, Mm -hmm. and here's my question. Why do people think... That equipment that is there for your safety, and that if it reads too high, that's that's the whole point, is to warn you. Why do people assume it must be I, wrong? Because I think it's they just panic. I mean, that, I, but I it think doesn't that's sound the, like they're panicking. It sounds like they're it, whatever. But, it, it's, but I think mentally they are. They're like, oh, fuck. What do we do? Like, I don't like, know. Like, oh, I'm supposed to do that thing I was trained for, but I, I can't. Don't remember. I can't know. I don't I, know. It just, it just is like. That's I think, but I think point. that's what it is. It's just, really? it's just a, it's just a. I mean, imagine the stress of that situation. Well, yes, yes. You know, um, yeah, and I, I think that's probably what it is. Like you just kind of shut down Maybe. mentally. Like you know, if your body suffers a severe in- injury, it can shut down. Yeah, but I mean, but, it's just... But sometimes, maybe if you're under that amount of stress, maybe your brain literally just <laughs> fucking turns off. Or maybe you think that... Uh, well, how many times do you hear people say things like, I didn't think it could happen to me. Or, yeah, oh, oh of that, that could never happen. Right. Yeah. I, mean, I think that's more like it, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. And if, and if that's your thought process, then you're not prepared for it if something right. like that does happen. Right, exactly. So that's what I'm talking about. Maybe your brain just fucking turns up. Like, maybe. Like, we're going to reboot for 30 seconds. So you're just, <laughs> you know... By the time you come out of this, it'll be worse. But <laughs> but no, they were just like, oh, it must have been off. They are. They came up with an excuse. That's yep. the thing. That's so. the nice. Anyway, it did not take long. My first thought would be, I'm calling my supervisor. Of course. Immediately. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so he can deal with it. Or set off the alarm, which we'll get into. Oh Jesus. Um, so it did not take long for the gas leak to start causing ill health effects from the workers in the immediate vicinity. By 11.30 that night, so now we're talking, like, at 10.30, everything was fine. Between 10.30 and 11, the pressure had increased five times what it was supposed to be. Now we're 30 minutes after that. Um, Workers in the area around the MIC tanks started to feel kind of funny. And knowing it was likely they were feeling this way because they were being exposed to MIC... They started looking for a gas leak. So, okay, good. Now actually looking for the problem. By 11.45 p.m., they found one, and they reported it to a supervisor. Now, in a mind-numbingly stupid call, it was decided that, well, you know what? Our tea break is at 12.15. Are you fucking I know, this is bad. So, they were like, or the supervisor was like, you know what, we're having a tea break at 12.15, let's go ahead and just take our tea break, 
and regroup after. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so right away, okay, what that tells me is that that supervisor is likely of uh, coming from wealth. That sounds like a decision like just like a trust fund baby who has no business no being idea. in management. That that could be or just and um, just yeah, aga- and and again just not in touch with what's oh going on. Oh my god. <laughs> my brain is going to I'm going to turn off my brain for 30 minutes and have tea. Yeah, I just need I just need I my just tea, need break. A tea break. I just need my tea break, please. Yeah. I I fucking hope something happens to this guy. Well, so not in a you know what no. I mean. <laughs> well, like I hope he goes to jail. Um, I cannot. I'll give that away right now. I can't speak as to whether this exact per what happened to this exact person. So oh, okay, sorry. So um, that's kind of ominous in itself, isn't it? Well, <laughs> so yeah, I cannot fathom why they were feeling weird. They were already sure. feeling yeah. the effects of this, and they were like, well, but let's have tea. Well, but good on the other people who started feeling it, and like, oh, we know why we're feeling we this. We need to find We need it. to do something yeah. about this. And they found and it. They and did. they did. And they did. Didn't do And the guys anything. are like, well, that's awesome, but we're going to go have tea. <laughs> what the fuck? Guess what the topic of conversation was during the tea break? Uh, probably not the leak. No, it was. They oh. Were like, oh, hmm, oh, that's good. Whatever shall we do? Yeah. Yeah. And nobody thought to be like, well, maybe we should stop having our fucking tea break (laughs) and put on some gas masks (laughs) and fix the shit. One would think. Oh, my. So the tea break. What the fuck? (laughs) Ended at 1240 a.m. Well, that's good. (laughs) I mean, you know, they they took an extra five minutes. But hey, who hasn't done that before (laughs) during the middle of a fucking chemical gas leak? Now it happens to all of us. <laughs> now remember, this was a runaway chemical reaction, and they had just waited through a twenty-five minute tea break. Oh, did I get that wrong? I thought they went in twelve fifteen, and they ended their break at twelve forty. Twenty-five minutes. Yes, you're out. Wait, no. Yeah. 12, 15, oh, 1215 to 1240. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> I was thinking something else, obviously. That's okay. I was thinking 35 minutes for some reason. That's I okay. thought they I thought they took oh, an extra oh, five minutes. Mm, gotcha. You know, you know, gotcha. to figure things out. <laughs> you know, talk it over. So at this point, gauges could no longer read the oh. temperatures inside E610. <laughs> And the pressure had increased now 20 times its original rate. And at this point, the concrete slab on top of E610 cracked under the pressure. That's how much pressure was inside this. It cracked a giant concrete slab. Yeah. And that's not good. No. So. Fuck. Now, at this point... One might very rightly inquire as to whether there were any fail-safe measures, right, in the work, sir. We're in India in 1984. Like, I, I wasn't even thinking about that at all. Well. <laughs> I was well, like, there was, probably, there was probably one, like, run. There were several. Oh, so. Now, let's talk so, through so them. So, two or three. No, well, <laughs> let's talk through them. For one thing. There was a vent gas scrubber. Now, scrubber systems are used in air pollution control and can remove pollutant particles 
from gases or exhaust, so to that, that decontaminate pretty, it. Basically, sounds pretty high tech for yeah. 1984. Well, and and it's it's yeah, it's cool, and they had one. Unfortunately, it had been deactivated. <laughs> they had one. It had been deactivated. And even if it had been active, oh. it didn't have enough caustic soda, which is used for the decontamination, to help in the case of this leak. So it was it like... Was, there was just too much anyway. Well, no, it, it, it like, I got the impression that it hadn't been filled enough. Like, it was supposed to have more gotcha. caustic soda than it did. Okay. Um, no, so, I'm talking about the gases would have just been too much anyway. That's what I was talking about. Well, what I'm saying is that if they had had enough caustic soda in it and had not deactivated it, it may have done the trick. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's the idea. Um, second... I, th- I thought you were meaning to say it was going to, even if it was activated, it was going to be useless, but no big deal. No, so you may, you may have the right interpretation. That's kind of how I interpreted the it. The way I interpreted it was that they didn't fill it up enough with caustic soda, but you might be right that it, that's, that was the interpretation, the correct interpretation that it was too big of a leak for it to have affected much change, so... Well, uh, we'll get back to this next week on Correction <laughs> Corner. Yeah, right? <laughs> or will we? Now, <laughs> second... There was a refrigeration system that was able to cool down the liquid in the tanks, which would have helped stop this whole chain reaction since it was all about heat. Um, But for some reason, they had seen fit to first shut down this refrigeration system (laughs) in early 1982. And then earlier in 1984, they just decided to take out all the Freon (laughs) from it. So... Um, now not only that, but the alarm that would have even indicated that the temperature in the tanks was getting too high was disconnected. <laughs> so this is just a whole big pile of what the fuck. Well, and, it's, and it also explains how all those other leaks and things happened before. Mm-hmm. They just didn't turn out as serious as this right, one. Right, they were smaller leaks. Yeah, yes. that makes sense. That makes absolute sense. Now... Finally, there was more. There's more. They'll say. Oh the fuck. There was a flare tower in place, which was meant to um, burn off the flammable gases that were escaping the tanks. But the pipe that connected it to the tanks had been removed for maintenance. Yeah. Eh, you know, yeah, as not, one does. We're not going to need this nah. for now. Mm-mm. We're not going to put something in its place while we get a new one. And in this case... Even if the pipe had been in place, it was the wrong size. It wasn't going to do the job. Uh, yeah, just yeah. so. Wow. This was just all bloody useless. That's that's all. That's all it is. So, in summary, I, I mean this. <laughs> it, I mean, if it wasn't for like the gas part of it, this sounds like something like like what happened to Enron. It was just oh, right. It was just <laughs> stupid on stupid. Just once the first domino fell, mm-hmm. like it didn't take long for the whole fucking thing to come down. Uh, yeah. So in summary, there were fail safes, but, but they were rendered useless because of stupid choices yeah. and wouldn't have even worked right if they yeah. had been. In there place. were fail safes in like this SOP book that, Probably hadn't been dusted off in five years, but they were in there. They're like, hey, we wrote these things, but we took out all the pipes and all the wiring and all the stuff to make this thing useful, but it's not our fault. Right. And they probably just got away with, like, yeah, you're right. It's not your fault. (laughs) Yeah. Well. Pay your $50 bond and, mm -hmm. Jesus fucking Christ. What a fucking. Oh, you're going to get so angry by the end of this. (sighs) So are we ready? Are we, are we ready? (laughs) Are we ready? For the immediate effects? Sure. Okay. 
Might as well get so, it over with. Recall that at 11 p.m., the pressure in this tank had gotten five times the um, the normal amount of pressure. So this had all started sometime between 10.30 and 11 p.m. They discovered it. Um, they started feeling the effects of the gas at 11.30, 11.45. They found a leak. At 12.50 a.m., somebody with half a brain at the plant finally set off the alarm system. (laughs) And at this point, like, the workers are struggling because the effects of this shit are really wearing on them. They started feeling it 45 minutes ago. Yes, before tea. (laughs) Yeah, just before tea time, you know. It was, it was over an hour earlier that they and, felt it. And now they must be really feeling it, mm-hmm. which is not good. No, 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 not at all. Now, this alarm was a dual alarm system. An alarm that could be heard inside the plant, an alarm that could be heard outside of the plant. And hopefully around the whole fucking neighborhood. Yes, that's the idea, meant to warn the public. Um, however, the two alarms could be deactivated separately, um, so after just a few seconds, the public alarm was deactivated. So now it was only internal. Now, interestingly, this was SOP. This was standard procedure for the company because it was meant to avoid panicking the general public. So, um, in the meantime, workers poured out of the plant and traveled upwind because they knew they needed to get away from where the gas was going. Um, now, members of the public were not so lucky because their warning had been shut off. Now, the MIC gas was denser than air, so very similar to Lake Neos, if you think, if you, if you remember that. It sunk to the ground. And also, uh, like the London fog incident. That was the same thing. Well, it got pushed down, yeah, right. by, by a, a weather system. But anyway, this is just it, density. Anyway, it created like a suffocation, essentially. Well, well it, it dropped, right, right. It displaced oxygen, yes. Mm-hmm. And, and just was more um, uh, uh, exposure mm-hmm. closer to the ground. So it sunk to the ground, <sighs> was propelled by wind into the densely populated shanty towns of Bhopal, where, as you can imagine, people didn't have a shit ton of protection. Some sh- And we're time, probably initially like, oh, I'm kind of feeling good. And then Oh, just, I, I don't know whether it's mm, a, you feel good at any point, the not I the, hope the effects so, of this. For their sake. So some short time after 1 a.m., Bhopal's superintendent of police was called on the phone by a town inspector who told him that people in a nearby town of Chola, less than two miles from the Bhopal plant, were literally running out of the town because they were feeling the effects of the gas. They were just trying to get away from it. Sure. The police called the UCIL plant at ele- uh, sorry, 1.25 a.m., like, what the fuck is going on there? The Bhopal employees on the other end assured them on two separate occasions, oh, everything is fine. The cops called again We're at... We're all good. Cops called again at 2.10 a.m., and this time the message changed to, we don't know what happened, sir. Yeah, just everybody ran out of the plant screaming, but, uh... You know, these things happen. It couldn't be anything serious. 
Nothing. Just, no, we're fine. <laughs> oh, my. You're fine. Oh, my God. The gas leak stopped around 2 a.m. It petered out, basically. At 2.15 a.m., the public alarm went back on for a longer period of time, but, like, shit tons too late. Yeah. I mean, Wait, comically, yeah. if it weren't so awful, too late. I, honestly, I, I was looking at more like like kicking somebody when they're already down. Ugh. Yeah, like insult to injury. This yeah. is a this is a big insult to injury like, story for like, sure. Like, uh, yeah, you're on the ground dying. Here's the alarm. <laughs> Here you go. Oopsies, <laughs> we're late. Sorry. Sorry, we stalled on that a bit. Yeah. Oh my fucking. So, Jesus. by this point, residents of the surrounding area were clearly in crisis. Inhaling the MIC caused all of the other shit that I mentioned, as well as vomiting and stomach pain. There were immediate deaths from the inhalation of the toxic fumes, and those who did die died mostly from choking. Sure. Um, A complete failure of the circulatory system or pulmonary edema, which is fluid in the lungs, so basically like drowning in dry land on dry land. Yeah. Also, it wasn't just MIC. They were breathing, and isn't that fun? Other gases inside this gas cloud included chloroform and methylamine, among among others. And we all know what chloroform does. That's like the... Literally knocks you out. Yeah. It's like on the handkerchief and the nefarious person sneaks up behind you. Yeah, exactly. Those hardest hit were those closer to the ground because the cloud sank. Who is closer to the ground? Shorter people, like children. Uh, and trigger warning, I forget who it was who asked me, for, I think it may be Syracuse, for an extra trigger warning about animals. Oh, sure. Animals were also closer to the ground. So people who ran away actually sped up their own deaths because sure. they had to breathe harder, yeah. and so they breathed more of it in, yeah. So one survivor uh, described the horror this way. That night, people were dying on the streets, scattered like garbage. And he, uh, uh, his sis, this this survivor, his sister died in the disaster. And the way he described what that looked like, he said, her skin was peeling off, oh, and Jesus. her eyes looked completely white. Oh God! So these people suffered and died. By the morning of December 3rd, 1984, the official immediate death toll had reached 2,259. This was just in the first few hours. That was official. Oh, there was more. Yeah. (laughs) There was more. (laughs) We can put official in air quotes. Yeah. Quote official. Exactly. Um, Let me see. I do have some pictures. Oh, yeah. Here's pictures of what the streets of Bhopal looked like. Yeah, it looks like, uh, I mean, it it looks like The Walking Dead. Yeah. I mean, it really does. Just freaking bodies Mm -hmm. everywhere. Um, I also have a particularly grisly picture to show you, but it's like the photo that comes up when you look up Bhopal. It was obviously very... So I would have seen it anyway. That's a little uh, girl. That is fucking creepy as fuck. I know. That's a that's a tough one. It looks like a doll's face or something, yes, but it's, it it's a little girl. Yeah, and it's just buried in dirt. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Jeez, I, I wonder if I'm going to have a nightmare. 
<laughs> so thankfully, I don't remember my dreams. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the time. So now we're going to get into the investigation and legal action because yes, there was legal action, but it, it is only going to get more frustrating. Oh, I, I already I already know what's yeah. coming. So right after the gas leak, the Indian government shut down the plant completely and just, like, everything went, like, radio silence initially. So they, they, weren't, they weren't saying anything. It was all very hush-hush. And that just confused the public because they were not being kept in the loop about what happened to thousands of them. Thousands of them their, themselves being sick or their family and friends dying. The first investigation into the leak was carried out by the Council of Scientific and Industrial Research, a governmental agency, and the Central Bureau of Investigation, which is basically like India's FBI. Um, In the end, there were two versions of what happened at Bhopal. The first was the actual thing that happened, that there was a shit ton of negligence, faulty equipment, and everything else... And uh, the poor and poor response on the part of UCC, and the second theory or the second explanation was that a worker sabotaged the plants. Yeah, that's total bullshit. It is. It it absolutely. Well, is. I mean, yes, a it worker could technically happened. A, wor- a worker did. Several ones did. Uh, it mm. was the ones that went for tea. Right. They sabotaged the plant by not doing their fucking job. Or anyone who had not done their job about inspecting shit or making sure. Anyone who took the Freon out of the refrigerant system, all of that shit. That is what, that's the type of negligence that we're talking about. Um, But I'm not going to go into, too much into the the conspiracy theory about the... um, the workers yeah, sabotage. Because, yeah, because it's, it's, and, it's bullshit. And you know what else? Because it came up as a theory in a report in an investigation specifically commissioned by Union Carbide, yeah. who obviously was highly motivated to come up with a reason for this disaster other than they were fucking negligent assholes. So it's almost impossible and definitely infuriating to enumerate all of the things that UCC did wrong with the plant, this plant that led to this disaster. On top of all the safety measure failures that I mentioned before, they had cut funding to the plant earlier, prior to this disaster, that lowered the quality of the working conditions, relaxed safety testing, didn't fix faulty equipment, and didn't follow up on highly concerning safety audits. I'm flabbergasted. Kel surprise. Indeed. Yes. Now, UCC's CEO and chairman, Warren Anderson, uh, UCC's CEO and chairman, did I say CEO? I feel like I didn't say that. I'm going to start that again. You, UCC's you did, you did CEO. Say, you did say a lot of letters. Yes. So. <laughs> and Chairman Warren Anderson immediately traveled to India in the wake of the disaster, along with other higher-ups in the company. As soon as he got to India, the Indian government put him under house arrest. Good. And on December 7th, 1984, 
so this is do, 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 like four or five days because it te- it happened really late. The initial part of the gas leak happened on December second, but then most of the worst part of the leak happened on the third. So. Anyway, on December 7th, he was officially arrested by the Madhya Pradesh police. He was bailed out within six hours for about $2,100 U.S. And he was then flown out of India (sighs) on a government plane, Indian government plane. Specifically, the chief secretary of state of India gave the orders to get Anderson the fuck out of India. And then... He left Bhopal himself. He's like, oh, get me out of here, too. It's like, hey, while you're on that trip back to the United States, uh, do you mind if I hop along? Take me with you. Yeah. I've always wanted to go there. (laughs) Right now might be a really good time. (laughs) Now, so I'm going to be hopping back and forth a little bit in time as I sort of chase down these individual parts of the story after the fact, but... In 1987, and yes, it did take until 1987, Anderson and eight other UCC executives were summoned to appear before the Indian court on homicide charges. So they were charged with homicide. Good. Now, UCC said, like, look, we are not under Indian jurisdiction, and India had to appeal to the United States to extradite Anderson as a fugitive from justice for failure to appear in court. What do you think the U.S. did? Not what India wanted. <laughs> exactly. The U.S. refused, citing lack of evidence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, what's the death count? Oh, it's only 5,000? Well, tell us when it gets to 25, and we're, we'll st- we won't give them up then. <laughs> but, uh, but we're... We're all about law and order. Oh yes, in this, oh, yes. In this country, you know that. Um, so Anderson was sued in U.S. civil court, but the suit was dismissed. Anderson um, lived out his old age, died in a nursing home in Vero Beach, Florida. That's the end of his story. That was in 2014. Wow. So, that was that. He never served, well, he served six hours <laughs> for that. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah. So it wasn't until 2010 that anyone was ever convicted in court. Wow. 2010. So 26 years yes. later. Seven former UCIL employees, all Indian themselves, so no Americans went down for this. Yeah. And at this point, they were all in their 60s or 70s. They were much older. They were convicted of causing death by negligence and sentenced to two years in prison and a small fine. All were released on bail. Yeah. So no time yeah. in jail. No time served. Or all time served. No, yeah, just no time served, period. <laughs> they didn't have to serve in. Yeah. The Indian government was given the authority to act as the legal representation for the victims of the gas leak by the 1985 Bhopal Gas Leak Act and brought legal action against Union Carbide in U.S. court. So not just um, Anderson that they're going after now. Now they're suing Union Carbide in the United States court. The representatives for the victims is the Indian government. Now, lowball offers were made by the UCC, and by low, I mean like $5 million low, <laughs> insultingly low, and were refused by the Indian government. And that happened a couple of times. 
Eventually, legal action was transferred from the U.S. back to the Indian court system because the U.S. District Court was like, no, you take it. This this all happened in India. Mm-hmm. Um, and frankly, this seems like a really shitty ruling to me because UCC were the ones operating the plant. It was an American-owned company. And even, you know, it, it just, I think the U.S. court just didn't want to deal with it. Or wanted to protect the company. I mean, this is a federal court. Those are appointed seats. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit of both. Yeah. And it just sounds like the U.S. court fucked everyone over in this situation. Surprise! Well, I mean, it's it's another example of... uh, We do have a law and order system in the United States. But it's different depending on who you are. Yes. Mm -hmm. So... And if you're you're, um, a bunch of Indian people, well... What do we care? If you're somebody that was found with an eighth of weed in your pocket <laughs> in, right. ni- in 1987. We're going to slam the, the you're, bucket you're, or no, the bucket you. You're most likely still in jail. Yeah. Yeah. And these pe- these fuckers And these went. people literally killed thousands of people. Yeah. Through their negligence. Not, right. Not on purpose, but knew full Gross well. Gross negligence. Knew full well that what something like risking. this could happen. Yeah, absolutely. And didn't give a shit. Mm-mm. And they get to live out in an old folks home until... 2014. And and let's face it, the people they killed, they were brown people. Yeah, fuck it. Whatever. Yeah. It's, it's not like it was a bunch of people from Denmark or some shit. <laughs> or from Beverly or, Hills. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because if you bet something like this happened in fucking Beverly Hills. Right. Uh, we'd, there'd be hearings yesterday. Right. There would have been hearings before it actually happened. Mm-hmm. Now, the matter of compensation from Union Carbide was settled by the Indian Supreme Court in 1989. They ordered that UCC pay the Indian government, the Indian government, 470 million US dollars, which is like a little over 1.1 billion now. Now, obviously, legal action is ongoing and is likely to remain so for Forever. the foreseeable future. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So Good. Dow, Dow is now the owner of Union Dow Chemical. Yes. Okay. Now Dow actually got merged with Dupont, so now they're Dow Dupont. Oh, I didn't know. As that. of last year, um, and they are named Dow is named in many of open of the open cases arising from Union Carbide's actions in Bhopal. Now Dow has stated, and this shit is on their website. I looked it up and I saw it. Uh, they have stated that Union Carbide, which is still in existence as a subsidiary of Dow, as I mentioned, maintains separate liability from Dow. Therefore, Dow is like, oh, well, that's on Union Carbide, the company we fucking own. Yeah, the one we finance, that's on them. They have specifically, and this is again on their website, they refuse to compel UCC to appear in Indian court because they're like, oh, well, they have their own board of directors. They're their own company that you fucking own, Dow Chemical. It is, it's, they're just like, we don't, what? What do you mean? Well, we mean, didn't it's, it's, inherit that liability. It's probably, I mean, honestly, it's probably a simple loophole. And why would they take responsibility if they don't have to? You know, because corporate responsibility. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Is that a class? Yeah. yeah. 
I'll tell you, in my um, all my fucking business courses, I can't tell you how much they talked about CSR, corporate social responsibility. And I'm like, uh, well, fuck you, because that's not a thing. You pretend it a, is. A what? That's such bullshit. Such bullshit. Anyway, as for getting actual relief to, oh yeah, the victims, two days after the disaster, economic relief measures were approved, which began in 1985. Now that sounds like a year later, but mm, it no. was at the end of 1984. So. Yes, just um, a couple weeks later. Yeah, and that compensation included food rations, remember there were shortage issues, and pensions. Um, now, I'm not going to get into the amounts of these pensions because they were very small, but it's also hard to relate how valuable they were or weren't in India at the time. You know, if it was like, oh, it was a... Well, that would sound like just ridiculously not enough, but we're talking India and we're talking years ago, so maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. It was too hard to translate, so. The grand total compensation awarded in these claim cases was 220 million U.S. dollars. In 2010, the Indian government approved an additional 180 million U.S. dollars in aid funded through taxes collected from the Indian people. So basically, the government, the Indian government were the only people to try to help out at all. And where does the government get money? From its people (laughs) through taxes. So the Indian people were the ones who ended up paying for the damage to the Indian people. Yeah. That somebody else caused. Yes. That Americans caused. Is there... is there anything in there as far as like fines that were actually paid or anything, or is this just what got dealt? Well, to the the um the Supreme Court uh, ruling, the Indian Supreme Court ruling for the almost billion or right. over billion dollars, I mm. believe that did get paid. Oh, okay. I think that did get paid because uh, like cause immediately, a lot of, right? Because a lot of times they'll put out a ruling of you right. this, and this, it, and, and that, and they don't. No, yeah. I, if I'm not mistaken, that did actually happen. Okay. So, um, okay, now. This is ready for further infuriation, if that's a word. Um, Talk about the aftermath a little bit. Now, the death toll, as I said, in the long run is a subject of controversy, as you could imagine. This was a while ago. I mean, we're not talking like 100 years ago, a while ago, but still. And a lot of people um, who died were living in poverty, Therefore, a lot of people probably didn't care about a super accurate death toll. There's a, there's a lot of reasons for that. Anyway, um, the official death toll confirmed by the government of Madhya Pradesh was 3,787. However, true estimates of death tolls top 8,000 within the first two weeks and another 8,000 dying from illnesses related to the gas exposure for a grand total of a minimum of 16,000 deaths, though some other estimates go as high as... The highest I saw was 25,000, and the minimum I saw was 5,000. So it's it's more likely it was between 16 and 25,000. Yeah. So... Um, Ultimately, it is almost, well, it is impossible to know the full scope of this tragedy. As for injuries, the government admitted and confirmed that 558,125 people were injured 
That's over Holy a half shit. a million people. It's also a quarter a quarter of that city's population. Yes. Yes. Now they had two million, right? Yes. Okay. Now it wasn't just people in Bhopal. Sure. But yes. Yeah. But you're right. Like just size wise. Yeah. Um, imagine if uh, a, a quarter of the population of Raleigh became sick in the next two days. Can you imagine what the fuck that would look like? And that's not even close to the amount of people of. It's it's oh my god. Jesus. Now, and plus, we're talking about people who are just pretty much poverty stricken. Yes, so yes. it already probably looks like hell anyway. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. It's just every day is a struggle anyway. Here, uh, yeah. go ahead, breathe in this toxic gas that we're not going to take any responsibility for. Um, now, of those like over half million people injured, thirty nine hundred um, of those people were permanently disabled. Like, had oh yeah, permanent. I mean, and I'm guessing that's an understatement. That sure yeah. sounds like an understatement to me. Oh, I'm anyway. sure they all had uh, respiratory problems for the rest of their well, lives. That's for damn sure. Now, of those injured, two hundred thousand of them, almost half or a third or so, were under fifteen years old. So kids. Mm. And 3,000 were pregnant women. Those who were injured had various negative health effects, including neurological diseases, cancer, eye diseases, respiratory illness, and the classic PTSD, of course, because you're literally seeing people like falling Fall, down yeah. dead beside you. Looking like fucking zombies yes. with white Skin eyes. Skin falling and- off and yeah. The hospitals and medical staff in the area were immediately overloaded, as you can imagine. Here's a half million patients. Like, just. And many of the medical personnel didn't know how to properly treat victims of MIC inhalations. It's like this bizarre thing. But also, they should know how to treat that because that plant is nearby. Well, one thing I read was that there was under-trained medical staff, sure. or under-qualified medical staff, so that was part of it, probably. But I remember James talking about that, like, like his station, like, what they cover, mm-hmm. they know what every business does, essentially. So that they can specialize where they need to in case of an accident? Well, they know if, like, <clears throat> I'm not sure. If, I know that chemical trucks do go through his area because they practice on, they have, like, a whole chemical practice course. Uh-huh. So they know, like, if a, there's a chemical spill, they know exactly what to do. Yeah. yeah. Because they know that chemical trucks run through their That's in district. modern America, mm-hmm. Arizona. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's But that's what I'm saying. Like, back then, but maybe this spurred that on. Who, know, who well. the fuck knows? But you would think a hospital would know that there's a plant that does chemicals nearby. Well, Maybe we should know how to treat well, these Well, but the things. thing is, even the nearby hospitals would have gotten filled like that. Right. So you're talking other farther yeah. hospitals. Maybe they're farther flung and, and aren't. it's not on their radar. Anyway. Um, God, stillbirths increased oh. 300%. And newborn deaths increased 200%. There was also a sharp increase in children born with birth defects and various sure. disabilities. And all of this continues to this day. Oh, man. As in, five-year-old, ten-year-old children now are born with a much higher rate of birth defects. Jesus. And let's keep going on that. Um, of the 500,000-plus injured by the gas exposure, the government claimed... of those injuries were temporary, like not permanent. (laughs) Remember that small number of Mm -hmm. 3,900 were um, permanent? But local doctors would beg to differ to this day. 
thousands of people, tens of thousands of people are still being treated to this day for gas-related illnesses in Bhopal. Wow. Um, Now, again, another animal trigger warning, just a little sidebar thing that I couldn't figure out where to put in the rest of this story. Um, An estimated 2,000 animals were killed in the lake. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. And had to be disposed of. All right. UCC, Union Carbide, divested itself of its shares in the ESOL plant and was ordered by the Supreme Court to put up money to build a hospital for survivors, which resulted in the Bhopal Memorial Hospital and Research Center being founded in 1998, where survivors were able to get free medical care for the first eight years it was open. And then afterwards... Eh, They go back to a normal hospital payment system, I guess. The Sambhavna Trust um, is a charity that was founded in 1995 that opened a free clinic just 400 meters away from the site of the Usul plant, so very close to where it all Mm -hmm. happened. And to this day, survivors are able to go there to get free medical care. It's a trust that was created. So, As for the plant, on December 16th, they emptied the two remaining MIC tanks and then... Kept going and continued to <laughs> of manufacture of pesticide. Of course. The plant was completely shut down in 1986, and many of its pipes and tanks and such were sold off. But the rest of the facilities and its structures were just left. Hazardous waste and all. And it still stands in Bhopal. A la Chernobyl, except here's the thing. There's no restricted access. That's right. People live around this People thing, don't they? People still live in this immediate vicinity. I have, okay, now that rings a bell really? as to why I know this tragedy. Okay. Because that HBO sports, real sports show did a thing on cricket players that come from that area. Oh, and, and have they, illnesses? They gr- and grew up, well, some of them do, some of oh. them don't, but they're growing up in those fields. Playing cricket. By this plant. By this hazardous material. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's exactly what happened. That's what I know this from. Okay. Okay. It it, It rang a bell, but you weren't sure why. Right when you said that, I was like, that's why I know what this is. Okay. But really, this whole time, I, I just, I certainly didn't know the details of it. Yeah. So, Dow maintains, and it says on their website, the Indian government is responsible for the cleanup. The Indian government says, well, Dow, you're responsible for the cleanup. And round and round it goes. Yeah. Where it stops, nobody knows, except and everyone probably, in that area. Exactly. Everyone in that area, 34 years ago almost now, is getting fucked over again and again and again. People still live there. They still feel the effects of this, con- of this contamination. Groundwater in oh, the area. God, yeah. Thousands of people every day drink and use is still highly contaminated with chlorinated solvents despite orders to the city to install new pipes to bring in clean water from the uncontam- from uncontaminated sources it has been one gigantic game of pass the buck for over 30 years and in the meantime the people of Bhopal are still suffering from this disaster and yeah and that, my friends, was the story 
of the Bhopal disaster. What a fucking just... So whenever I hear somebody talking about, okay, like the big thing now is the everybody's supposed to be afraid of a migrant caravan. Okay. Oh, God. Whenever I hear somebody blaming moneyless, powerless people for anything, for anything, I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, do, do, you, you, do, do you honestly think if these <laughs> people had the amount of power that you say they have... That they wouldn't be in this situation? Why would you stay in that situation if you had all this power to change it? But you don't, which is why you're in that situation. And, like, with these poor fucking people, now we're into a generation and a half. Yeah. Of people who have... And there will be another one, and and, and it's just fuck... There was a, um... Fuck off with if you ever blame somebody lower on the economic scale mm -hmm. for your own fucking problems. There, yeah, no kidding. Um, there was because uh, all that means is you're being manipulated by somebody who is higher on the economic scale yep, than you. That's, that's all that. Right. That's all that that is. And always, always, always doubt and greet with skepticism anything that someone with money says. Like I'm sorry. Yeah, always take it with money a grain of salt. Corrupts people. Yeah. It's what it does. So if. If someone's got money, just take everything they say with a gigantic fucking grain of salt. Because once you have a ridiculous amount of it, you're going to do whatever it takes to hang on to it. While simultaneously trying to get more. It's it's what hap it's what it does to people. Money is the worst. Money is the worst. But I saw a, um, a part of a video that The Economist put out, um, the magazine The Economist, um, for the 30th anniversary of the Bhopal leak a few years ago. And they uh, interviewed a man, and it was the man who was describing his sister oh, when she was dying. Yeah. Um, he's still alive? Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. He's still alive. And he was being interviewed, and his two children were next to him. Oh, no. And I was like, something uh, just, you know, I was like, those kids seem like maybe something is an it's issue not, with them health-wise. And sure enough, I mean, and these are kids. These, I, I don't think the oldest was even 15. So this was in 2014. So these kids were born in the late 90s, like 15-plus years after this gas leak. Mm -hmm. And they both had developmental disabilities. Oh, sure. And it's like, could it have been coincidental? Sure, but... Like clearly, because of where they lived, it was high, much higher likelihood that it was a result of the leak. Yeah, uh, the the water in our toilets are is cleaner than the water that they have in their area. Yeah, <laughs> less so, contaminated. Think about that next time you flush. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, just. yeah, and just the the amount that people like you know what Dow Chemical. Oh, maybe I shouldn't. Nobody listens to this. We're not going to get sued or anything. I, <laughs> I don't give a shit. If Dow Chemical wants to come after us, you know, whatever. Like, just fucking own up. Like, you bought that company. You say you didn't inherit its liabilities. Um, sorry. <clears throat> no, that's not how buying a company works. When you buy... As someone with an accounting degree, may I say that when you buy a company, you buy all of its assets and all of its liabilities, and that should include its legal ones, even if you think you have a legal case against it. Fucking own up to it. Here's the other thing, what too. Bullshit. 
Here's the other thing, too, but this is long-term thinking, and we can't have that in the corporate world because everything literally goes by a quarter. You've got to make more money than you yeah. did the previous quarter. So there's no, there's no in 30 years, this is where we'll be. Yeah. But if they wanted to make a serious investment, as in clean up the community themselves, put whatever cost it takes to tear that building down, get the material out of there, get a new pipes, get it. I mean, that's not a cheap thing. No. We're talking probably several billion dollars. Yes. But they have several, several billion, billion dollars. dollars. Yes. And fucking then some. Yes. So it's something they could afford to do. So, but that would be an investment. Like, think if you did that, what that would, the effect that that would have on the community would obviously be a, a wholeheartedly positive one. Yes. And let's say 10 years after you did that cleanup, you're like, okay, we're going to put a new plant here and hire people at a decent wage. This right. and that. Do you think the people would believe them after they just cleaned up and admitted right. that? They probably would. But again, that's a long-term strategy. Who gives a fuck about that? Well, you know what? It's not even just a long-term strategy. It's like decent thinking. It's like thinking about how can we help people. I mean, just even like fuck Dow Chemical, anybody could say, any giant company could literally wave basically a magic wand of money there are, and say, "Here, there I'm are literally hundreds of people in the world, thousands of yes. people in the world that could just come in there with a stack of money, you know, in dump trucks and be like, "Here, take all this to fix this." Yeah, there there are individual people that can make this happen, much less, you know, corporations. So it's it's really sad and sick and um Well, it's just it, it's just mm. it's passing the buck. Horribly. If, if they had sent some people to jail, which they attempted to do. The the yes. Indian government yes. absolutely attempted Thankfully. it. Thankfully. And the United States yes. court prevented system, it. yes, directly said no. If they prevented it on the first try, yes. It's an American citizen. Whatever circuit court judge has got to say, I've got to see what you've got. Oh, but on an appeals or like... Yes. And they did appeal these yes. decisions Yes, and that's what too. I'm saying. Yeah. But if you mm-hmm. keep get, mm-hmm. giving them a longer... That's bullshit. You know, obviously the first time they're going to be like, no, you can't have our guy. Right. But after a couple more times where it becomes more evident that he is a fucking criminal, you know, so. But, you know, you know why they didn't get extradited? They were CEOs and and big people, higher ups in a big company companies And their companies had put in money to those people's campaigns who Mm -hmm. were running the country. So, yeah. Yeah. Who appointed the judges. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking corruption. Yeah. I mean, it's so... money. Well, I mean, it's so deep-seated. It's almost to the point where you you can't fix it. You would just literally have to start from scratch. It's it's awful hard to... So that's kind of Mm -hmm. where we've gone. And it's it's literally... And, like, the first thing I thought, I'm like, this is all due to um, outsourcing. Stuff like that. I mean... Well, yeah, but corporate corruption. I mean, it's just... That's that's where we, you know we say we're not a true crime podcast, and it's true we are not. But there are cases where <laughs> Plenty, criminal activity mm-hmm. took place. Um, there's a popular podcast called Swindled, and they covered this. Apparently, oh, okay. I saw recently that they had covered it earlier, um, and 
that it's probably appropriate because there is certainly oh, f- a large for, amount for of sure. corporate swindling yeah. going, along, when, going on here. Whatever deal was made when mm-hmm. Dow Chemical took that over, it should have immediately been like, well, the Indian government, in order, in order for you to take this over, the Indian government demands... $3 billion for cleanup. Well, honestly, the Indian you know, government like could demand whatever they wanted, oh, but that's it's true. the United and it's, States right, and it's government. A back. Yes, yes, true. That, um... True. But, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, no matter what, the people on the bottom will always get fucked. Yeah, and that's what happened. That is what is still happening to thousands of people living in that area. Mm-hmm. Like, millions, potentially. If there if there's two million people in certainly the city, we're talking know? about India, so certainly it's hundreds of thousands. Yeah. There are so many fucking people yeah. in India. Yeah, anywhere you throw a rock, there's going to be a hundred thousand people. <laughs> Basically, right? So yeah, it's just and it's horrible, and it's it never ceases to amaze me how little people will care about other people I under just, the right circumstances. I just thought of that train ride they had to do in India on The Amazing Race where they basically just had to shove themselves oh. into the train. <laughs> just the number just, of people, yeah. Uh, the dense, densely populated, yeah. Uh, but, yeah. So that was the Bhopal disaster. I initially started doing the research and titled it the Bhopal Gas Leak, but then I realized very quickly why it's always billed as the disaster, disaster. and it, it, it is. Every part of it is a disaster. still is today. It still is, and it, it will be it, for it who is, knows how long. Much it longer. is as the recording of this podcast and beyond. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. So. So, yeah, fuck that. Should that be our new sign-off? Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well be. <laughs> this point after a topic like this it, it will be for tonight mm-hmm. i'm just kidding so <laughs> that has been another episode of all bad things i'm david i'm rachel we'll see you next week and know your exits <laughs>